Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, the sports columnist for the Roanoke Times, and we are recording this once again on a Tuesday night in Blacksburg, having just sat through another somber, somber press conference. Virginia Tech loses 52-22 in Pittsburgh, and boy, that was a train wreck. Uh, Mike, your thoughts? <laughs> that train wreck about sums it up. I mean, what other words do you need to say uh, about that? Uh, defensively, I mean, uh, just an unmitigated disaster. Offensively, they did some things, a couple of long drives in the second half. Uh, but really, the tone got set early when they kind of crossed midfield and the offense sputtered. Um, just ineffective, inefficient, um, kind of the same, you know, rinse, wash, and repeat, basically, um, as we've seen the last kind of couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it, it just I'm, – I'm sure fans thought, look, they could go up there and lose – and you still feel good about your team. You know, you feel good about the way they're fighting. You feel good about, you know, maybe the future of the team because the young guys are getting experience. But when they get crushed like that, when it's historic defensive futility, it's jarring and it's scary for people who have, uh, like, you know, the, the the players on this team, the fans or the, the students are at this school have never seen a losing season uh, out of Virginia Tech football. Uh, they're staring it in the face right now, and we'll get into the Miami game that they're going to play this week, and and what the ramifications are f- for a win or a loss. But just when you looked at that defensive performance, what do you think was? I mean, I, I, obviously it's young guys all over the place, and that's the biggest problem. But um, any one unit that's really the problem, or is there is it just a combination of all of them? I just, I mean, you're talking, I mean, El- Emmanuel Belmar was a late scratch. They're dealing with injuries to Jared Hewitt, Dylan Rivers, Rashard Ashby, uh, Bryce Watts is out, uh, backup defensive lineman Xavier Burke's out. Um, they are really um, in trouble uh, numbers-wise. I-, I mean, it's a good thing they only have two games to go because um, they're in the backups to the backups at this point. Uh, they're hopeful about getting Belmar back, but, I mean, they're talking about Eli Adams being a, I mean, if you had money, <laughs> Eli Adams was going to play this season. I don't think you would have bet on that. Uh, you know, he's played special teams twice this year, um, but that's you know that's where they're at right now. Um, they just weren't equipped to kind of deal with anything uh, up front. Um, they got manhandled, and you know, Ricky Walker can't do it himself. Vinny Mahota, I mean, as much as he's kind of saying he's come along, I just did. I don't see it right now. I don't think he's in that kind of. Uh, physically right now where he needs to be to play defensive tackle at, at the at a high level because uh, they were going over that 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 side his side over and over again um, and they just couldn't stop anything I, I, you know in the second half I was just surprised that those long runs were still happening that you know that they can't make this team can't make adjustments right now and and you know fourth and two 30 yard touchdown backed up against their end zone 97 yard touchdown I think those are kind of probably the most discouraging parts of the loss or most surprising that um, you know, Pittsburgh comes out, they're amped up, they got the ACC on the line, they, they you know, they smell, they smell it, they smell a championship, front of their home crowd, you know, a, a, a spattering of home fans at Heinz Field. It was a better crowd than I've seen. But still, there. it was a lot of yellow seats. Sure. But it's so a very big stadium. They're amped up, and so you kind of take their first punch, and you're down 31 to 7.5. But then your offense shows some signs of life. You can maybe make it a one-possession game if you can get a stop. Uh, and they don't even get close. So I, I think that's the, the more surprising thing that this team has been such a bad second half team when 
this team has historically been well, you know, they're well coached and they, they, they do tend to make adjustments and that hasn't been the case in the last, especially the last four or five weeks. You know, I, I, I would guess about 10 years ago, uh, during Tech's very long run of 10 win seasons, I wrote something about their health and just how, yes, they're good. Yes, they recruit uh, to their needs and yes, they do a good job of coaching, but they were getting lucky with a lot of their health as well. I mean, I was looking at it and comparing it because it seemed like team after team was coming in broken. And Virginia Tech, you know, their injury list was, was short. And, you know, I asked Frank about it and I asked the strength coach. And, you know, they don't really have they, – they all agreed it was pretty much just kind of luck. You know, you can do all the training you want, but if somebody steps on your ankle or something like that, it's just kind of the randomness of football. This is as bad as I've seen – uh, for Virginia Tech in terms of bad things happening. Well, and somebody asked me, can we get the old strength and conditioning? I got an email. And, it's, I, and I don't think – you point to that one. It's like when you open up spring and you get a bunch of guys with strained hamstrings or, or, or injuries that you're pushing them too hard or not pushing them hard enough and some of the – like that's when you can kind of point at the strength and conditioning program and say, oh, mistakes were made or, or you know, things – or in the fall when you kind of come back from, from break and, you know, there's those weeks off and – team isn't where it needs to be but right now this late in the season i mean you had four ankle injuries and they were you know in the georgia tech game guys getting stepped on <laughs> low blocks you're tearing and, acls right, now it, with hash and gain that's not those aren't injuries that you can attribute to the the yeah. strength and conditioning staff i don't think so either. um so that i wouldn't put the blame in but like you said unlucky it's unlucky and i think that fans are more concerned sort of about the depth right now because i think numbers wise and I asked this last couple of days here, defensive line, you got to be concerned not just now, today, but now next year because you're going to, you know, you're losing uh, obviously your best player in Ricky Walker. You're losing Vinny Mahota. Now Gaines isn't going to be ready. I mean, it's awfully optimistic to say he'll be 100% by August or September. Uh, you lose Hill from getting kicked off the team. I mean, you're really in, in tough shape here. And I mean, these young guys are getting some experience, but. You know, you worry that this problem lingers. Well, the two players that were here tonight were both redshirt freshman defensive linemen. And it's Robert Porsche, the fourth, and Taiwan uh, Garbutt, who, you know. I call him Gabbert, too. It's really difficult. <laughs> well, I don't know why. It's, they it's, have a Tom Gabbert who works in the administration here, so I'm, maybe that's So our apologies to Taiwan that if we get his <laughs> name wrong, good system. But, yeah, I mean, these are two guys that I think ideally, if you're Virginia Tech, they're getting sprinkled in at, at the end of blowouts. They're not well, the physically, guys you, you look at them, they're not. They're not huge. Imposing no. right now. No. Uh, it's So, I mean, that's just the reality of it right now. Um, I can't say I've ever you, – you asked me off air if I've ever seen the defense look worse. I haven't. I've seen bad defensive performances out of Tech, and I've seen some in Pittsburgh as well. I mean, that's a blue-collar team that can really take your soul if you're not sharp. And that was just a really bad matchup for them in this one. And they just – but I've never seen the lunch pail get – just bashed up and thrown in the you know Allegheny River, or whatever. There's three rivers out but there. I mean, I'm not sure. Ohio and you've seen and, isolated bad performances. Yes. But have you ever seen like four in a year where it's 45 points or more and record number? I mean, you, they haven't had a season where the numbers have been no. nearly this bad. No, and I was on the radio earlier and I said this. I mean, a losing record would be one thing. Setting records for futility is another. You know, like you, you can understand a down season, especially given all the attrition that we were talking about. But uh, you still got to hold it together. You know, you, your depth has to be good enough that you can at least not be setting records that go back to 1973. Yeah. And uh, 
twice in one season, essentially. That you know, that you're just coming off. Uh, you know, you list the Georgia Tech numbers, and and now that's the second worst performance of the year. Um, that's not good. Um, it's ugly. Uh, you know, I think a lot of fans are frustrated. Obviously, um, year three for Coach Fuente. Do you think he deserves heat? Do you think Brad Cornelson deserves any heat? Do you think Bud Foster? What are your kind of thoughts about that as this fan base freaks out and those, uh, I think those voices are getting amplified as the kind of the reality sets in that a bowl game might be out the window and you worry about that Virginia streak. Um, what what are your, what's the heat index on this coaching staff? Well, right I mean, I think they deserve some heat for sure, but I, that's always the end. I've been doing this for 18 years and that's always been the answer for, for, for fans, a segment of the fan base. When things aren't going well, it's fire everybody. You know, fire Frank, fire Bud, fire. And, you know, if they had fired Bud back the many times he, people wanted him fired, they never would have had this the defense they had last year. Um, look, Fuente, the first two years, there weren't a lot of complaints with, with Justin Fuente. Um, and you knew, and I wrote this at the end of last year, that bowl game, that was the end of – that was going to be the end of it. He had one more mulligan where it was like, okay, you can you can lose this game and, and everyone's going to be – pretty much okay with that and they lost and in year three people are gonna want to see results uh consistent results these are more and more your players um so i understand why people are like hey you know we shouldn't be this bad that's you know that's what fans have come to expect a, a higher standard than this but i would say in terms of looking at job security and stuff. I mean, I'd say you have to wait at least until midway through next season and see how that's going before you would draw any conclusions about the long-term health of the program. Now, some might say, well, that's too late. If you don't cut out the cancer before, you know, it gets really bad, it's going to get – it's going to metastasize. Well, I, you know, then you might have a more dire view of where the program is than I do. I, I, don't, I don't share that view right now. Yeah, and it's also about – and I, don't, I think I said this last week – uh, about framing the way the expectations were framed. I don't think this was framed as sort of a rebuilding year, but I think once Josh Jackson kind of was injured, that's where I went. And, you know, Ryan Willis kind of overperformed, and you kind of thought maybe they won't be – maybe they won't ta take a step back. But I think when you talk about losing your starting quarterback, lose all these injuries, you have all this use to begin with, that uh, this could be a rebuilding year. And, you know, they never got this bad, you know, like four years ago when some of those young guys were on defense were developing, they developed a little quicker and, and, and didn't have that sort of down-down year. Um, but you kind of talk about laying a foundation. I think they hit on some guys. I mean, I think they hit on Christian Darsa. I think they hit on Trey Turner, Dex Hollyfield. It's not like there's no signs of hope for the guys that they're bringing in where the cupboard is bare necessarily. Here's the biggest concern I would have if I were a Virginia Tech fan. It would not be Bud Foster or his defense. It would be they still have not established a running game. That is a problem. I mean, you know, that look, Ryan Willis is not the was not the starting quarterback coming into the season, but he can throw the ball well enough that you should be able to run the ball too. Like you should have a running game. And if you look at it, I mean, these quarterbacks have been, you know, the leading rusher for this team, and it's like you, that's not ideal, man. You need a running back. You need to have a tailback who can run, and you need to have a line that can block for that tailback, and you need to have a play caller who's making something work out of this running game, and it's just not happening. Well, I said this uh, uh, on the radio, I think, was that Stephen Peoples, I think, is a <laughs> an excellent number two back. Sure. 
where you kind of see him do some of the things he does or breaks tackles, gets some tough yards. Um, but I don't see him as a full-time featured guy in the ACC with the athletes that are across the league. Um, that it's just not, I don't think that's going to work. And I don't think they have that guy right now on sort of the front line. And, you know, I, I asked Brent Cornelson today if any thought about getting uh, Colbeck or Caleb Stewart in there because now McLeese looks like he might be out a second straight week. You know, why not see what you got with some of these guys now? I mean, I know physically they might not be ready. You're not risk risking their red shirts now. But I guess Caleb was injured in the spring. I didn't know that. Um, I guess they didn't talk about much. They didn't, not even said what specific injury was. But they said he's kind of come along in recent weeks. I mean, he may, you know, you may see him in the next two weeks. Um, but they need to find a guy. Uh uh, no question, because I mean, look at the receiving core, and I think that's probably the brightest position-wise you have going forward. All the talent you're going to bring back Agreed. for a receiver, Hazelton, Turner, Kuma. All, you know, uh, these guys all look pretty good, and and Sean Savoy is competent, uh, and you know, Dalton Keene has kind of emerged as a, a bit of a threat. Um, but they need to kind of be able to hit teams with you know, be balanced, and they have not been that at all. And obviously, the scores of the recent games have hurt them, but. Um, they haven't been able to set that in the first quarter. I mean, first quarter, half of Stephen Peel's rushes were negative yardage or one yard. You know, you can't do that. And so they get away from it. Uh, and, you know, like you said, Ryan Willis isn't, isn't, shouldn't be your leading rusher for six weeks almost. No. I mean, and Evans, I mean, they ran him like a battering ram, Gerard, Gerard Evans' yeah. first, Fuente's first year. Most of Willis's aren't design runs. No, no, but it's just it just seems like, um, I don't know. I, I For years and years and years here at this place, you know, it was defense, it was special teams, and it was a running game, you know. And, and I know the game has evolved, and people think that Frank's offense was a Stone Age offense. But, I, you know, there I'm sure there's some pining out there for just some of that battering ram, blue collar, we're going to just line up and go run over you when we need to. And they can't. And, and they, can't, they, they can't hog the ball because of that. That's a big reason. they're You know, they're not uh, winning time of possession. Um Although I guess they ran a, they run a ton more plays right in that game than uh, the Pittsburgh did. They ran Pittsburgh scored more, touchdowns yeah, every time. They, every time they got the ball, um, it was the break don't bend defense that Tech was playing. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. Yeah, um, and, and you know as far as do they deserve heat? Um, I don't think so yet. I think you're in year three. I think you got to show progress in year four. And one thing that you kind of look at in the off season, um, you know, so far the team's held together. There hasn't been. You know, you had to. Hill obviously was a problem, and they they got they they kicked him off the team. But and they had one other transfer. But you haven't had sort of like a mass accident of talents. You hadn't had players throwing each other on the bus. Um, you haven't had any sort of social media breakdown where some guy you know rips the team. Um, you know the team's held together. And does that stick through? They don't make a bowl, and there's not sort of a, a crazy panic in December and January where you're losing guys. Then obviously I, I, their message is getting through to the team because uh, the players are listening. And I think that's. Uh, the first thing you start to look uh, that would kind of have me concerned if they have you know five or six guys leave the program in December or January, um, but if not, then uh, then I think you have to kind of uh, believe what they're saying up there that guys are listening, guys are getting playing time, uh, and, and we're moving forward. And then you start you know you got to see progress week one, week two next year. Um, and this is a team that's historically given their coaches a long leash, and I, and I think you give that to Fuente because I don't think there's anything. You know, it's not a situation where they bottomed out. You know, you, you you won three road games this year. You still have a chance of finishing 500. Um, you know, I think they'd feel a lot better about themselves if they could go into that offseason with at least a win over Virginia. Um, 
it wouldn't fix everything, but I think it would uh, would certainly quiet some of the uh, everything's on fire. Outside of results, uh, you know, the obvious answer is two wins. But what what if you're a Virginia Tech fan? Are you do you want to see out of these last two games? No more ninety yard runs would be first. <laughs> 97. 90, don't, 90, don't sell it we'll short. say ninety plus. I'll say seventy five plus. No, no seventy five. That's I think that's the biggest thing. You don't want to see your team just get <laughs> almost used a bad word. They just trucked <laughs> uh, for the next two weeks. Because look, Miami's in dire straits by itself, and we could talk more about them. But I mean, they've lost four straight. They're not well. But Virginia's a good team, but not a great team. They've lost games. Uh, uh, you know, they got a good. You don't want to. You don't want the lasting image being like Bryce Perkins. Uh, you know, dancing at midfield with the, tr- you know, what is it, the Commonwealth Trophy? Commonwealth Cup, yes. Yeah, Cup. Is it, is it, so it's Cup. The Cup, they don't want they don't want him celebrating drinking out of the Cup. Uh, right. Uh, as being kind of the lasting image, especially on your home field. Both these games are at home. Um, and then if they did add another game, which I'm told, you know, well, a decision will be made here shortly in the next week or so, um, you don't want to not make a like. You don't want to <laughs> lose these two and then lose that one somehow, right? Like that would be like that would be like worst worst case scenario. Tacking on an extra loss, right? And I think that's what they're kind of worried about. Like if you lose these two and then there you don't need that for a bowl, why even risk playing that game? Yeah, I guess you, once you schedule, it, you cannot cancel. Right, it so it's like yeah, you so can't you're really locked in, right? So maybe you wait till after Miami to see, because um, yeah, I don't think you want that. To, you don't want to reschedule the game and lose and not have won any games. Um, yeah, I, I guess if I was trying to answer the question I asked you, I guess it would just be I'd want to see offense. I'd want to see offense because I've pretty much given up on this defense being able to do anything. I mean, it's it's just so it's so down to like the eighth string guys. That, Eli Adams kind of come up big this week, right? I mean, it's just it's, Eli Adams. <laughs> the coaching staff keeps saying he played two games, and the participation chart shows only one game. They don't even know how many games Eli Adams has played. And well, he could be getting in on the defensive end, and that's the thing. Like it, all those, all the receivers you mentioned, that's those aren't Eli Adams type players. I mean, those are known quantities. The quarterback is now. No offense qu- to Eli. No, Adams. no, no, no. He's he's look. He he hasn't. It's it's not his fault that he's been thrust into this situation. Um, yeah, it's it. So I I don't I don't. I mean, I guess if you wanted to have a quixotic dream, you'd say, well, I want to see you know, domination on both sides of the ball. No, I would like to see these, this offense move the ball, score 45 to 50 points, do something, you know, put some pressure on the other team uh, to actually score on every possession, which it's not been a problem for other yeah, teams. That's, that's, maybe <laughs> they don't want to do it, that. Make it so if you do get a stop somehow, um, you know, all of a sudden you've got, you've got semi-control of the game. Uh, because the offense has not been what uh, what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's you're supposed to have a defense that can lean on that offense, and it's they like, haven't been able to do it. I just posted the story. Their offense, numbers-wise, is average. But when you watch it, it's well below average, wouldn't you say? It's because they're, they're it's, averaging like 400 yards. They're averaging like 30 points, which are middle-of-the-pack college football numbers. But when you watch the offense play – it doesn't feel like that they're av- they're an average offense. I think right there's now. there's long stretches where they go in a drought. You know, they had that nine nine in a row, nine possessions in a row against uh, Georgia Tech where they didn't score uh, after a very fast start. Well, then this this game they have a very slow start and then they pick it up later. But you know, by then you know they've let four possessions go by the wayside and haven't scored anything. 
Um, they've moved the ball a little bit, but they, they, they're not finishing. Um, they missed a field goal. That doesn't help. But, I mean, it, it just – you know, so you, you don't know if it's – because I think I think if it's if it's every week you're not starting fast you're starting slow every week then maybe there's something you do in practice to to change things up or in your pregame routine or something but it's just something different every week but it always seems like there's a there's a spell a streak where they're going to look bad yeah and even the receivers will drop a pass or you know they'll, they'll miss blocks and the running back they can't run so it's just different things um, we don't have this on our little rundown but I'm curious to get your because this was a hot button. Uh, discussion this week Quincy Patterson yay or nay on using him in the second half uh, what were your thoughts on their approach with uh, Patterson in that game the word that comes to mind for me is uninspired I mean I just don't, don't that's I'm, friendly I think of, that's a friendly way of saying well he not great get, he gets the snap and then he kind of hunches over and he does a little you know a little read and then he runs into the line and it's like I I've seen Giles high school do that you know, this is a you know you're supposed to be a sophisticated and Giles High School. I have no offense to Giles High School; they've done very we good. Insulted Eli years. Adams and Giles High School <laughs> with their with their single wing attack. But this is this you know this is the big time. It was so, you need to be. If you want to give him a drive, because you're like, man, try change up or man, uh, th- we think this will catch him off guard. Why not do that? I mean, he had one play in the first half, but like. When you're down like 31 to 7 and you're in the red zone on a fresh set of downs and you're kind of having a little bit of success, then you go to that. Yeah. It, it failed both times. Rally like they, killer. 6 4 3 double yeah, play. That's the what first time they were able to make it was a third and long and Ryan Wills ran for, t- ran for a touchdown and scored. Second time they did it, uh, you know, the drive stalled. Um, it was just an odd placement of the. Uh, and, or if you're going to give up and you want to get them in some play, I mean, that game, I mean, you could have said it was well out of hand because the defense. It didn't matter how many points he scored. It didn't matter. Uh, just throw him in the game. I mean, or throw Hooker in the game. I don't know. It just seemed like an odd sort of. And I can understand fans' frustration. They, th- you know, because like you said, it's on. It it wasn't sort of. If you're a really good offense, that's something you not you want to throw in there. Is as, you know the guy runs right four times. The only thing I can think is okay. They're they're just waiting to unleash his arm against Virginia. You know, like, he's going to do that little hunch thing on the first play. Well, he plays and against, he's going to throw bomb after bomb after bomb. He only bomb. has one game left. So he, because without being. You hold him for Virginia. You hold him for Virginia. That's your big prediction. So, but yeah, he Just has one get game. Get rid of that hunch play. He's, play, he's played three games, so he can play one more and still redshirt. So um, that'll be something to watch because, like you said, if he plays against Miami, they probably won't use him. Um but maybe Hendon Hooker gets in the game. But it's so bizarre just the way that they've kind of approached that. Uh, you know, it worked against us against North Carolina. got a first down. But, um, I mean, teams know that he's not going to throw the ball now. So, I mean, I don't know why you do that when you're trying. Like I said, if you're trying to get him experience, you're just giving up, go ahead. But if you're trying to score, I don't see any reason why that was a strategy. No, I wasn't here yesterday for Fuente's press conference, but I know you guys asked him about it. <laughs> the answers were just, the answers were uninspiring he too. He was just like, no, it, everything's fine. It's I asked Ryan Willis too and he said, no, it doesn't impact him. And did not like the question as if I was trying to I, but I mean, my, it, more is just that it just it doesn't kill the offense, but it's just it was just a weird placement it's of weird those times. plays. It's just a weird time to have it. Like, I mean, I can understand trying to change things up or trying to find a spark, but just not in the red. Like, you're trying to find a spark on the opposite of the field or at midfield, not when you're 15 yards away from scoring. I agree. I agree. Well, I've tweeted earlier tonight. 
you know, this press conference tonight lasted about 40 minutes, and I think we maybe spent 45 seconds talking about Miami. Who's their opponent this week? Is it Miami? I mean, it is, it is ridiculous to think in August, you know, when this game – I mean, college game day was going to be here. The, the only reason they went to Boston is because they looked at this and they said, oh, no, that, that game – we need an ACC game because that, that game we had planned is uh, not going to work. And now they have to go to UCF this week, UCF-Cincinnati. How about that for I mean so that's how that's how bad this this weekend of college football is and tech and, and Miami were supposed to carry the day and they just neither one of them's up to the task um, but Miami does have a a fabulous defense they have a defense what ranked in the top five total defense yes um, they have excellent players on that side of the ball they're four point favorites in this game um, what else should Tech be worried about? I mean, I guess if you're Tech, you'd rather be facing a great defense than a great offense, right? Because you feel like if you're facing a great offense right now, you probably lose 70 to 70 Yeah, they're to struggling to find a quarterback. They went to this uh, Nicosi Perry, Perry yeah. uh, and last game, and they're going to go with him again. Um, he's sort of had pretty middling numbers this season, uh, limited use, but – um, up and downs, throwing five interceptions, uh, average, you know, cleaning 53% of his passes. Um, so they're not juggernauts offensively, and that's about as as good of a deal as you can get if you're a Virginia Tech fan because, uh, yeah, those that Pittsburgh running game was pretty good, and that the, the results there weren't good. Uh, Miami hasn't very, been very good. I mean, they've lost four straight. Um, they're kind of a mess. Um it's, it's it's a it's a bad matchup, which is surprising. Where you thought this was number one and number two, right? Uh, and they're losing. You know, it's, it's it's funny. Virginia Tech's getting blown out, whereas Miami's losing a bunch of close games. So that probably is good for them, I guess, right? A four, three of their last four have been one possession losses. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but not a good football team, I certainly. Mean- John Swafford has got to be sitting in his office saying, uh, please, everybody watch Duke basketball, if you don't mind, because look at this conference. I mean, look at UNC. Look, Louisville fires its coach because Steve is, is, is woeful. Um, the Coastal Division, your, your, your odds-on favorite going into this season is a mess. The only team that was supposed to be able to challenge him, Virginia Tech, is a mess. Um, and, you know, it's just Pittsburgh – they're they're coming on strong at the end of the season, but they're not you know they're not the marquee program um, that's really going to carry the the viewership against Clemson. They're going to just get stomped against Clemson. They are, but at least they have a running game that they can maybe shorten the game a little bit. Uh, but against that defensive line, it's just so hard to move the ball. Yeah, and you know looking at these numbers, we're talking about Miami's offense. So my. Uh, Tech's ranked like in the middle, like 45th in the country. Miami's offense ranked 85th, only averaging 381 yards per game. Um, so obviously, you know, uh, they're struggling. Um, I don't know if they're struggling as much as Tech's defense struggling, but uh, they have a clear weakness too. So, um, you know, maybe this young defense gets a reprieve for a week where they don't have to worry about so many playmakers. Well, I've been listening to the Dan Lebetard show, you know, and they're based in Miami, and those guys have just been talking on the local hour about how just archaic that Mark Richt offense is. It sounds, you know, it sounds a lot like what we're hearing here, you know, about how the play calling's a problem and, and the quarterback's a problem. And yeah, 100 second and passing line. offense, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean – uh, a lot of similarities, I guess, with these offenses right now. Uh, Tech's a little bit better statistically, 
So I mean I don't I don't know. Uh, you want to do predictions now, or you want to talk about something else? Sure. I think I'm, if I predicted Virginia Tech again, I think the fans would. The fans are very upset that I've been actually picking Virginia Tech in recent weeks. They, they're blaming you. They're or? they're not happy that I've been so optimistic about them turning <laughs> things around. So I guess here. I'll go with Miami this week. Let's say 21-20. Let's say it's a real close game. They come up short. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, so they cover. They cover the spread. Sure, they'll cover. Um, well, I said last week that Tech would lose by a touchdown. So uh, I had the cover right. I did not have the tenor of the game correct. Uh, I think Miami wins this too. I, I, I have no confidence in Virginia Tech right now. None. I'm sorry. Uh, I guess I wouldn't be surprised at any result though because the ACC 40. is so bad. So. <laughs> well, see. You're going to go 40 points? No. No, that that was that was a false start <laughs> on the offense. <laughs> Imagine they did that. score 77 <laughs> against these guys too long. <laughs> they did score 77 against Savannah State. Okay. Let's go um, – 32-22. Miami wins by 10, covers the spread, bada-bing, bada-boom. That would be their most points scored since September 27th. They have not scored. Uh, yeah, but the Tech can't stop anybody. Sure, but I'm just I'm just letting you know. They haven't scored more than 22 points the last four weeks. They scored 28 against Florida State. So I mean, I mean they're, they're well, are maybe struggling. Maybe Pittsburgh's better than I'm giving them credit for, but just to see every snap be a touchdown – has got me wondering just how they're going to stop Travis Homer. Travis Homer, right? Homer. The is guy, the, the guy hits back? homers. Yeah. Let's, let's he hasn't been great this year, but he's a, he's a good Homer, running back. Yeah. Uh, he's and been they good. got DJ Dallas. That's, on, that's a pretty that cool, a good name. Name. That good name. That is a good name. Yeah. Uh, look, it's just disappointing. I mean, this is the disappointment bowl. Both teams are just not anywhere near what they want it to be. It could be actually later in the season, too. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. If they make one. What do you think this? <laughs> are you are you looking forward to your first experience of the of Virginia, Virginia Tech? I mean, I, I it's I, very interesting this year. It'll be inter- it'll be even more interesting if if Tech could win a game here. That would be fun. If the, you know they need to. If Tech wins this yeah, game, if and Tech's win, yeah, 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 yeah it, it needs it, it for bowl eligibility. Uh, and if Virginia could win this week, they would still be in the hunt for. Coastal. Coastal. So uh, there could be a lot on line for that game, and that'd be fun if it's a case where. Virginia Tech's already, you know, out, and you know, Virginia can't clinch the coast. It'll just be two middling teams, so it won't be probably as exciting. But well, I've st- often, ar- well, go ahead, I'm sorry. Still, could teams could still have plenty to play for. I've often argued, I've argued for 14 years, I think that that the story is always Virginia. I mean, it's not, it's not on this side. I mean, it's on Virginia because that's, you know, if Tech wins, it's just another win against Virginia. If if not, it's it's monumental. So that's always the interesting storyline to me. Uh, there will be others that we write about, but um, it definitely feels feels shaky for Virginia Tech. Now, it wasn't that long ago. I want to say 2012 when Virginia Tech was a home dog against Virginia and, and, and won, um, and won anyway. I just would like to see a good football game again. I don't even remember when we've seen one. When was the last good game? Was there one? Virginia and Virginia Tech? No, uh, just for Virginia Tech this year. Oh, last last competitive fun game to watch cover. I don't remember. It's been a while. I guess the North the North Carolina game was I wasn't not a there. good football game. No. You weren't there. I mean, the last drive was good, but I mean, Duke wasn't a very good game. I guess the Old Dominion game was kind of fun. I mean, it was the, a good game. It was a good, you know, back and forth and had a lot of storylines. But I mean, really, you haven't had a because I mean, the other two games were pretty much blow. I mean, they blew out Florida State basically. I mean, there's there hasn't been much competitiveness. 
one way or the other on the schedule. Well, that's what we talked last week. I this or two weeks ago. I was like, this season has not been very very strange, very fun. It's been weird. It's been wack wackadoo. All right, you want to get to our pick three? I, we can do that. Um, okay. well, I had a couple written down. So I watched this movie called Apostle on Netflix, a new okay. release, uh, one of their bigger ones. Gareth Evans, the director of Raid and Raid 2. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, it was really weird. It was like a horror movie about this guy who tries to go rescue his sister at this like cult in like uh, the 1700s or whatever. Um, some very spooky imagery and, and strange stuff. Um, very bloody, very disgusting. I don't really love horror, but that just caught my eye. Do you recommend it? Or? Not really. Okay. <laughs> wow. Especially if you have a weak stomach. Probably not something you should be watching. Uh, there's some pretty gross stuff in there. All right. Well, I saw another trailer for Creed 2 today. And um, you don't know this about me, but I am a Rocky Four. Just that was my favorite movie for many, many, many years. And then, then along came... I guess A Few Good Men, that's probably my favorite movie now. Gladiators up there. Um, Devil's Rejects. But Rocky Four was the best Rocky in my mind. I loved Rocky Three too, uh, with, with Mr. T. But Drago, hard to beat Drago. I mean, and I was in the, I was what, uh, it was 84 when that came out. So I'd have been like seven or eight years old. It was like the perfect time. I was a Rocky fiend. So I'm looking forward. I'm going to go see this. I've, I'm prepared to be disappointed. Uh, but I am glad that Dolph Lundgren's in the movie. Um, well, did you like the last one? The last Creed? Yeah, I mean, well, the last Rock. They're all both I mean, Rocky I movies. To, I mean, I watched half of it, and I just gave up on it. I was you like, didn't like it? Eh, it was all right. That was like, it was I need good. Russian, I need, like, Cold War being solved by a boxing match. That's what I need. I need, I need stakes. I don't need, you know, this little, you know, his, oh, his son, his, his dad died. Okay. That's that's not that's not enough. Okay. I need I need entire Soviet armies uh, being toppled by by Rocky. Uh, well, I finally watched uh, American Vandal season two on uh, on Netflix. Just giving Netflix all the promotion here. Uh, did you watch season? Did you watch that show at all? Say the name of it again. American Vandal. No. It's a it's a sort of a mockumentary, but taken seriously. So if you watch any kind of true crime documentaries or this 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 show has the sort of format and the feel of a real documentary but about sort of ridiculous subjects the second season surrounded uh <laughs> they're investigating the poop bandit at this catholic school and it sounds silly but it's very very good very uh well it, like it's, it's exactly like a true crime documentary um and it's a really good sort of commentary on social media and the kids that go to high school these days and uh not as funny as the first season because um, the first season was about uh, a different subject, as I won't say on the podcast, because it's a little vulgar. But uh, it's very good. Very, it's uh, eight episodes, half hour, quick to get through, uh, but a lot of fun. I'm a fan of the thirty-minute episodes. Yeah, know? yeah, that uh, small bite-sized chunks. Okay, well, my second one. I finished the book that I was talking about last week, the Richard Bachman book, uh, Roadwork, and I have to say, that might be a top three Stephen King book. Uh, that I've read, uh, I've decided that I love the Richard Bachman stories because none of them have any, they, they have no supernatural elements to them. I'm not a big fan of the super, I mean, I loved It and some of those other books that Stephen King's known for, but, um, you know, Tommyknockers, you know, not good, you know, like, I, 
and plus he has a really hard time ending those books. He, he's he's not known for his endings. This ending was dramatic and excellent. Um, How many books does Richard Bachman have? I think he has five. All and, older, right? None uh, of them yeah, they're older. all like 1981, 82. And, and this, if you get this, I got this at the library, um, and it was well, it's been well worn. Uh, it's been checked out a bunch. Um, and I highly recommend it. It's called Road Work. It's kind of sad. Um Kind of, kind of heavy, but um, and violent, but good. Which really one good. was Tommy Knockers? Was that the plane one where they go to? Tommy Knockers is the one where the, there's an alien um, spaceship that's landed uh, in the woods, and a woman stumbles upon it and starts. I, I watched the miniseries like years and years ago. It wasn't it's, very good. It, it he actually, good. Uh, Stephen King has admitted he was he was really messed up on drugs at the time. Wasn't it cocaine? Was, right? was that the yeah, one where he talked about like he cocaine? Didn't know what he was riding, so. Isn't that I mean, amazing? Some of it's good, but some of it's really bad. You can have such a successful career uh, that you just were like, yeah, that that one stretch, I was a little, that was, that was the cocaine stretch. We'll just write that off. That's okay, though. And then you have like 40 more books that you've written after that. Yeah. You want to have that prolific of a resume? Well, talking about prolific resumes, uh, Stan Lee died yesterday. That was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, 95 years old, but I guess if you could live a life uh, that... Uh, well, I mean, just, I mean, all the things he did and accomplished and notoriety and, um, you know, I know a lot. Some in recent years, some of the stuff's been questioned about how much he put into certain characters, but certainly put his stamp on pop culture and Marvel and, and all of that. Excellent. Uh, I don't know. know. We we listened turn. to a lot of Sirius XM radio on the way down. You slept a lot because you, you're a night owl. Uh, but Tommy and I were listening to a lot of... And I, I've just got to say, and I know this is not a new take, and I'm a bro country fan, so I'm, I'm kind of a hypocrite here, but there's there are some songs that come on the country radio, and it's just like, this you, this is not country. Like, this, isn't even, this isn't even close. You know, this isn't even Florida Georgia line bro country stuff. This, uh, What is this? This is a pop song that somehow got on, on here. It's like an R&B song. What is this? Uh, so... Uh, I'm not trying to protect Waylon Jennings and, and all that. You know, I like new country music, and I'm and I know that makes me a goob, but a goob? Yeah, it just makes me a dork because the, you know anybody who's who likes country music. You know, I like George Strait, and I like you know some of the classic pl- guys too. But um, I like the new stuff. I like Jake Owen, and I like uh, you know I went and saw Gary Allen at uh, in Roanoke when he was here. Uh, so I like a lot of it. I like a lot of different music, but some of this, you know, you, and I wish I knew the name of the song that came on, but it was just like, get this, get this off my radio. I was, uh, yeah, sleeping, but even so, uh, the the names that you've all just said are just like Spanish to me. Like I don't, sure. don't know a single name. Not a big country fan. Uh, you've loved these aficionado. road trips, haven't you? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I was watching American Vandal in the back seat uh, on my headphones. Um, so uh, I can't speak to uh, bro country. Non-bro country, country, new, old, vintage. I got nothing. You know, there's nothing wrong with just singing about ales and parties and, and you know, having fun. And that's what bro country essentially is. It's it's stuff you'll hear at tailgates and, you know, college crowds and stuff. And I, and I it's catchy. I like it. Uh, I like to sing along with it. But, um, it, you know, just, just dial it back a little bit. You know, don't go too far into it. Like, I don't want to hear something that sounds like, like Lionel Richie. Okay, I don't want to hear that. I think you've uh, you've changed country music for the better. <laughs> okay, well, 
let's hope let's hope Kyle Bailey is not listening to this. He is a he is one of the curators of country music, and he would he would crown me if he knew. Does your mom ever use that phrase? No. I'm going to crown you. I never understood that. I guess it means beat you with a stick or something. That sounds dark. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be. That's do what it Pittsburgh did to Virginia. Let's bring it full circle. That's what Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh crowned Virginia Tech uh, last week, and fans are hoping that doesn't happen. Miami does not crown them again. <laughs> we this will weekend. be crowned on Saturday. We'll be back next week to break it all down, whoever it is. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We'll see you next time. <laughs>